Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the, the No Easy Buckets podcast. Uh, Jacob and Walker back here with you, actually featuring a special guest this week, uh, Chris Dyer. He's uh, you know, one of our good friends, and uh, him and Walker actually have a uh, podcast of their own. Um, I'll let them talk a little bit about that real quick. Quality from the spot, you can check us out on Twitter at, at QFTS901. One, we started it last year, sort of. Uh, it's a podcast mainly talking about English Premier League. We hit a little bit on um, the U.S. men's national team, some of the international circuit. What am I leaving out, Chris? A little MLS action. A little MLS uh, here and there. Um, not a lot of bias, a little Chelsea Tottenham bias, but uh, overall we try to keep it pretty even. Sorry, Jacob, we don't talk much about Arsenal, though. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Yeah, so what was that Twitter handle one more time so people can find it? At QFTS901. That's for quality from the spot. So QFTS901. Awesome, awesome, guys. Make sure to check that out. But uh, we wanted to jump in with all three of us here. We're kind of uh, you know, teaming up to, to do a little media kind of uh, company here uh, with our two podcasts, and we'll have more to come later um, once we figure it all out. But kind of with the team up, um, you know, Walker and Chris are both in Memphis, and uh, you know I'm out here in San Francisco. But um, they were both at the game on uh, Saturday night, which the which is the focus of this podcast, the uh, Grizzly Spurs game four, which was uh, finished in a 110 to 108 uh, victory for the for Memphis. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about that, get the kind of the behind the scenes look from from their side and how the the feeling was in the in the uh, in the FedEx Forum, and, and really just talk about like what we thought were the main points in the game and, and really looking forward to the next couple games because we got another guaranteed home game uh, coming up with game six now. So we'll kind of just jump into it and, uh, and and go from there. So, guys, I mean, it was a pretty pretty awesome game for my – and you're just sitting here watching it. I was going crazy uh, with my girlfriend just just <laughs> jumping off the bed and stuff. Like, I, I know it was probably crazy inside there too. Yeah, I think the the, the main thing to start was – you know, going back, and we've talked about this a little bit over the past week or so. I mean, after being down 0-2, losing both games in San Antonio, the mood of our fans and just around people that we know in our inner circles was, you know, it wasn't super negative, but there was not a lot of optimism there. And, you know, game three, of course, as we know, um, the Grizzlies really took it to the Spurs. And so with a coach like Pop, you really fear that, man, they're going to come out swinging. They're going to really try to lock down our key players and make our make our role players play well. Um, but because of that win in Game 3, it really shifted the crowd. Uh, Chris, can, how do you think – do you think the crowd, even from the get-go, played a big part in the game before we even get into that? Yes, man. So I think it started with the Fisdale rant after the end of – was that Game was that game? Two. Uh, yeah, game, game two. two. It was the Fisdale rant, man. He went off on the refs, uh, earned a thirty thousand dollar fine for it. Um, but that really sparked the fans' interest in the game and kind of just the belief that you know, hey, we got a team that's going to come together, got a coach who believes in his players, and we're going to go out there, we're going to give it everything we got, and you should showed, and we did on uh, game three, and then that just translated over to game four. 
Yeah, it, I agree. I saw some uh, some discussion among people I knew and in, in Twitter and social media that after game, you know, in the middle of game two, it was like, well, here's another sweep or you know, quick exit from yeah, from by the Spurs, right? And so people were, you know, I mean, they were getting ready to. I, I could just see it, you know, people getting ready to get rid of their tickets. Uh, you know, like I could have seen like a not a packed house, you know, depending on, you know, uh, how that how game two ended, you know, but when Fizdale, you know, sparked everybody and really got there was some interest, like you said, Chris, there was some interest. He sparked the interest in the fans. And it was like, you know what, even if we do get swept, we're going to pack out game three just because mm-hmm. our coach fired us up. So it really kind of uh, it really gave everybody a reason to show up um, regardless. So. Definitely, and also winning Game Three helped out the attendance at Game Four so much. Oh yeah. Um, if we would have won Game Three, then you know Game Four would have been people would have been selling their tickets, trying to get rid of their tickets. But because we won Game Three, like I said, that belief was there, and the, sh- the crowd showed up. Yep, they really brought it from the get go, and um, you know the biggest thing with the Spurs that I'm always in fear of probably any team is just getting pummeled out the gate. It feels right. like they have so many guys that can punish you between Kawhi and over the years, Tony Parker and Danny Green. Of course, Manu comes off the bench, but I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, we had David Lee was starting in for uh, Deadman because he was out with illness. It'll be interesting to see if he's back in game five tomorrow. Um, but, I mean, the, we weathered the storm. I mean, early on, the Spurs kind of took command of the game, and, you know, we're up maybe eight, ten points or so in the first quarter. And we really battled back and got it to within 26 to 23. So I don't know about you guys. It seemed like the Spurs really had a grip on it mid-first quarter before Memphis kind of turned it around towards the end of the quarter. Yeah, they uh, they did. There was, I mean, the, we had that run at the very end. Uh, it, was, it was like 24 to 14 or something. Yeah, like something said. like that. You said that. And we, we closed it out, ended the half or ended the quarter pretty well. Um, I think there was a lot, a little bit of a hangover from Game Three. You had a, I think it was a, you know, a double-digit win or was it nine-point win um, for us? And you know, people were, you know, if you can be cocky playing the Spurs, probably were a little bit cocky, even though we were still down. It was like, you know what, we're back at home, our coach is going off, like we had a good game. You know, you got your young guys are you're feeling pretty good. Um, but it was it was good to see that you know the main guys uh, that like like Mike took it upon himself. Mike, Mike Conley took it upon himself to really close out that first quarter and set the tone, saying, you know, guys, this is this is we're still down two one. Like this is the most important. Each game after this, after yesterday, the you know after game three is the most important game. So we you know you got to keep treating it like just like it's any other game. So we really flipped the script in the second quarter too. I mean, you look at the box yeah. score twenty six twenty three after one, but after. The second second quarter alone was thirty two twenty five. So we really kind of came out there. Credit the Fizz. I mean, he got us going. He got our role players going, um, and we really, you know, turned it on. So at halftime, you're looking at um, what is that fifty five fifty one. So we yeah. go in up four. I think the feelings are, you know, I don't know. So you can help me with this, Chris. That it was pretty optimistic in the building coming off the win on Thursday. Definitely. Like you know, we we could get this done. I mean, is that how you? Is that to you what the crowd seemed like at halftime? Yeah, definitely. There was a there was a buzz, you know, walking around the concourse. Definitely, um, the people were really excited. You know, they're like, "Hey, we got this." You know, we got the lead. We got to come out in the third quarter though and show up. That's been one thing again about the Grizzlies that you know, kind of a knock on them is 
they do not perform well coming out of halftime, and mm-hmm. we were able to, you know, hold on and and keep that lead going into the fourth. Jacob, I think we kind of texted about this briefly in the game. If I remember correctly, you know, I think it was the third quarter. Like you said, Chris, we're traditionally not good, but Jacob, you pointed out that the the Spurs were not scoring. They could not put the ball in the basket. No. And I think you told me we just we didn't seem to be able to capitalize on it. No, that was uh, and you're just touching on like the, you know we ended that second quarter with that Mark little uh, fadeaway, which I think kind of uh, gave us a little bit of a spark uh, going into halftime. That was kind of a good uh, a good little deal. But yeah, when we first started the half, it was. You always want to start, you know, I, I was a proponent of throwing it into Zach, getting Zach going earlier, Zach or Mark, yeah. uh, really getting some easy buckets like we did, a shout out, uh, getting some easy oh, buckets <laughs> like we did in game three where, you know, we started out like pressing the, 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 you know, third quarter we started out with like a full court press and forced a steal, then got a Zach like and one. I was, uh, I was looking forward to that. And it was just like we were turning the ball over. It was really the start of our turnover, uh, you know, turnover field second half. We were making dumb plays. We weren't, you know, capitalize. You know, we weren't finishing any plays on the offensive end. But then the Spurs uncharacteristically didn't do anything. Like they, they didn't capitalize. They didn't take advantage of that at all. Which is definitely not. And normally, when you make a mistake, you're you're tri- You know, they're they're hitting a two. They're hitting a three. Like they're gonna make you pay for it. They just didn't. And I think that may have been where you you got like a little bit of belief in, in some of the our, our guys or I don't know but it just it was a good it was a good moment for me because it was like you know we we can do this it's not we're not overmatched so right when you're the underdog I mean it's so important to stay in the game especially if you're winning to hold the lead as long as possible because you're right that that mm-hmm. mindset continues to grow we can do this we can do this we can do this and you know we haven't even touched on which I know we are here when we talk about the fourth quarter and overtime but Kawhi Leonard you know, he really had it going. I mean, he finished, uh, I believe it was a playoff career high for them. Um, he had 43 points. You know, I mean, he was, I can't even remember six times, 16 times that he missed. He was 14 to 30, but he was 7 of 10 from behind the line, 8 of 8 from the free throw line. But he really had it going. So for him to not click, you know, or LaMarcus Aldridge to really not click in the third quarter, it was super important for us to capitalize. We really didn't, but overall, we kind of, we held our own, and I think that that played a tremendous role going into the fourth quarter uh, when things really, really started to get testy. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, somebody that surprisingly, uh, based off of their game three performance, that really, you know, stuck it to us was Tony Parker. You know, he had his points mm-hmm. early. I would say he probably. I don't. I don't have exactly it listed here, but I would say he had you know ninety percent of his points in the first three quarters. Feels like it. Yeah, he hit some some jumpers. Uh, he also was getting his little floater in there. Um, you know, he he really he was really working for him and giving him some good minutes, which you know he hadn't earlier. You know, in game three, uh, they didn't really something I'm looking at here too. Like the Spurs didn't get much out of their bench at all. Their 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 rotation seemed a little weird. Um, you know, that something that pops usually the best in the in the yeah. world that. Uh, but they seemed a little weird. There wasn't much going on there. You had David Lee playing a lot of minutes. Uh, Powell didn't play that you know as many as he normally did. Not as normal minutes, right? Yeah. And he was he was really dominating on the boards. He had like five offensive rebounds, and he had them all there in a stretch too. So I don't really uh, I don't really know what was going on with that. But I think that kind of uh, kept them off rhythm as well. Like I don't know if it was just one of those blue moon days where Pop just wasn't feeling his rotation and didn't know what to do with it. Or you know maybe they just they had collectively had a bad game, but um, you know we were the 
uh, in the first few quarters, we really, uh, we really, you know, benefited from that. Yeah, well, really, besides Kawhi and basically Kawhi the whole game and Tony Parker in the first half and in spurts, they really did not do or get any other contribution from any no. other anybody else. Um, like the next highest score was Lamarcus Aldridge with thirteen, and then besides that, everybody else was under double digits in yeah. the in the single digits. So, um, for the Grizzlies going forward, you got to think, hey, Kawhi's going to do what Kawhi's going to do. But if you can limit the rest of the team, that's got to be a positive, you know, step right there. Yeah, it'll be interesting going in, you know, back to San Antonio because the whole, you know, the adage that your role players play better at home. So maybe that could play a point with, you know, people like Bertons knocking down threes for them potentially at home or, um, you know, it's a major point of the series. Mono Ginobili has yet to even hit a shot. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but the rotation argument is interesting and one that I haven't thought about a lot, mainly because, again, Kawhi's not going to get tired, but a lot of these guys are older, and I know our guys are too, but we're at least playing our bench guys uh, significant bench-to-roll player minutes, whereas the Spurs didn't really do that. And someone like Tony Parker, 37 minutes, we've seen him kind of run out of gas in the playoffs before later in his career. So it will be interesting to see if Tony Parker and LaMarcus Aldridge and, and even Powell off the bench, if these guys can continue, maybe maybe that's that's where our bright spot is because we've played them eight times this season. At the, t- the home team has won every game, but maybe it's just going to take a series going to five, six, seven games and them guys getting worn down and us really relying on the whole grit and grind mantra to dig deep. Maybe, maybe that's what sticks us over the top, them just running out of gas. Yeah, and uh, something I just kind of thought about playing here. I don't. I mean, I know there's some website you can check the, the different plus minuses of the lineups and whatnot. But talking about how Tony Parker killed us on the offensive end early is something that he hasn't done. Um, you know, he's not a good defender. Uh, he's not. That's not his thing. But um, something that I was thinking maybe we could do is um, I know we played Troy Daniels a few more minutes this past game than normal than we had been. You know, he was really you know causing defenders just have to you know stay on him in the corner which spaced it more maybe a lineup of mike tony and vince so out there when tony's out there because you can't Not hide tony, tony on any no i mean no i meant tony parker when tony parker's on the court for them yeah. maybe forcing because in that in that type of lineup like you can't really hide parker on anybody on the wing like sometimes you could probably hide him on a, on an ennis or a selden or, J, or andrew harrison uh, on the offense when when we're on offense because they're not creators they're not like they're they're spot up so you know Tony doesn't have to do much but run through screens maybe if you have somebody out there that's more of a threat I don't know maybe you can at least expose him a little more early maybe get him a little uh, a little tired um, you know to kind of struggle his offensive game but you know just just a thought there I do like I do like that Troy got some good minutes um, important he, that he saw the shot go through right. And very important, and as somebody uh, I saw them point out on uh, Twitter and a couple different you know uh, areas, you know one of the fi- I think it was Conley's final floater in the f- fourth quarter when he tied it up that uh, Kawhi was on Troy Daniels in the corner, and he took a step towards Conley to kind of crowd him, but he stepped back towards Troy because um, you know he he in the back of his head he was like oh wait I've got Troy Daniels in the corner. He's wide open for a three if I step in with Conley, and Conley's going to hit him. So that right there is just something that we haven't had in the past. Like yeah, The same it, exact thing happened yeah. on the Mark, Mark winner. 
Oh yeah, maybe that's what it was. It maybe that was the mark. Well, I think it happened twice. I'm not sure yeah. if it was that Conley floater, but I know it happened twice. Right. Once on Gasol and once on a Conley floater. Yeah, I mean, you just see the threat right there that we haven't had in the past. And I mean, I, I definitely am not ex- you know, glad that Tony is not out. I wish he was was playing right now for us. But you know, that yeah. is what not having him on the floor in that situation allows you to do is is have that type of you know have to keep everybody honest there, but. You know, that's those are some bright spots uh, going I mean, forward for the what, fourth for quarter. Sure. Kind of bringing it back into the game a little bit. We we started out the quarter, you know, yeah, pretty pretty good. If I remember correctly, it was eighty eight eighty Grizzlies with about four four and a half minutes to go. The Spurs mm-hmm. had the ball, they took it down and missed a shot. We got the rebound, and I remember sitting in my seat thinking we can go up 10 to 11 points here, really start to drive, I mean, obviously not to drive the hammer in completely, but we can really start to put our foot on their throats. And we ended up turning it over. I feel like we had three or four of those cross-court passes, like to the corner, where either Kawhi or Tony Parker intercepted. But that was one of those instances, and then Kawhi went down and hit a three. And instead of going 10 to 11, it went to five. And then Kawhi scored the next, you know, 15 or 16 or whatever points it was. And next thing you look up, you know, it's 91-88. And it's an 11-0 run. And then it's like you blink and it's 96-94. I mean, it, it the, the lead disappeared in a hurry. Right. Yeah, that, I'm glad you pointed that out. I almost forgot about that instance in the fourth because I remember sitting here and seeing that score, 88-80. to 80, there was like, was it five minutes left or six? It was a little. It was either five or right under it. Yeah, but right I know under we five had the ball had to go up, and we turned it over, and they hit a three. Right, and I remember looking at that and like, you know, telling, you know, and saying out loud, you know, this is, I'm, I'm really liking what we're doing. You know, I was really happy. You know, I was like, I'm. This is feeling like a game that we can make another bucket or two right here, and, you know, they start pulling players or they start, you know, sh- you know, rushing shots, and that's where you get you know, an easy victory. That's where you get a several possession victory. And that's what I was looking for. And then that was when Kawhi went supernova and started, you know, stealing everything, single, every, everything that he we completely took the game. He over. completely took the game over. And that was kind of, and I started second guessing, you know, and, and thinking that, you know, it was going to be hard for us to close it out. But it was, um, that was that, that was that key where, you know, a bucket right there. And that's something you have to look at. You know, we got the win ultimately, but that's something you have to look at where, you know, as as a coach, as Fizdale, I mean, I don't remember the exact plays that we run and that we ran in that situation. And maybe it was just a great defensive play that that uh, disrupted it all. But that's when you want to go get you know your guy like Mike Zebo or Mark, and you get a bucket. You know, get a foul to the line, slow it down, uh, take the energy off of uh, San Antonio. Really, kind of just make them have to look at that scoreboard, think about it a little bit more. And that's when you kind of break the will of an opposing team. Mm-hmm. Going forward, if we have that opportunity in a game, I really am interested to see like what type of uh, what type of offense we're running, or what type of you know motion, you know what type of uh, strategy Fizz has as far as uh, you know actually playing with the lead, which is something that you have to know how to do to win in the playoffs. You can't, you're not gonna, you know, you're gonna have the lead. Like we've had the lead in the past two games, and and you got to learn how to to you know to play with that. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, from there, you know, what was it, 96-94, and then Conley hit the floater to take it to overtime. 
Um, but something to say again on Kawhi, he had 24 of his 40-something points were in four-corner and overtime combined. And, uh, I mean, Chris, there was that one play. Was it – did Kawhi get the steal and they had the leak out to Aldridge when he had the and one on Jamichael? Was that in the fourth quarter during the comeback? Or was that a little earlier in the game? I'm trying to remember. I think that was in Jacob, the fourth. Jacob, you remember? Marcus's dunk was in the fourth. I'm pretty sure. I mean, that was that was like a, a big-time mental killer for, for the Grizzlies. I think it was in the fourth because I remember Shea Serrano – had been tweeting yeah. all game about <laughs> about uh, Lamarcus and how he wanted to, Lamarcus wanted garbage there, wanted him out of there, and then you just saw uh, he you know it was a really a, <laughs> out out of the ordinary perform or play from him because you don't really see that type of play from him normally, but right, um, but yeah, I mean, so Conley hits the floater ninety six ninety six. Never really a doubt that that was going in. He he was tremendous all night. He's finally fully taking the reins and I remember when Fisdale first came here he said we're gonna let Mike Conley run the show mm-hmm. you know and we're still gonna get it inside to Gazal and Zebo and and all this that and the other but Conley's gonna run the show and we're finally seeing those dividends paid because you know not only is he doing that but I think he's finally got that killer mentality I mean after he hit that floater uh you know he just stood there and I think back to the and one three he had at, at the other end of the floor where before the free throw, he walked well past half court, just getting the crowd pumped up. Just talking about like, you know, this is my game, this is our house. That's not really a side of Conley we've we've seen before. Did did you see that, Chris? Do you feel like yeah, for sure? I think Conley's got a sense of swagger about him now, a sense of confidence. Where now he's like, hey, this is my team. I have confidence in my abilities. You know, I know that I can go out there and I can torch anybody on the court. And I can do my thing. And it's really showing and it's really, really exciting to watch Conley just being able to do what he wants on the court. They don't have anyone that can guard him other than Kawhi. And no. in the fourth quarter, we all we would do is run a simple screen and they and they would just switch yep. it. And every single time Conley cooked whoever he had on him, whether that was like a blow by the first play in overtime or, you know, he hit that oh, step back step three back and Lamarcus nice. is all just yeah, so like it didn't matter who was on him. It didn't what what kind of shot, you know, he was going to get what he wanted and it was going in. Other than that three in the fourth quarter that rattled in and out about four times, you know, other than that, it felt like everything from him was going in. Right, and you see that in, in something I noticed a little bit is, you know, Kawhi gets most of his, his defense, his, his steals or his disruptions when he's guarding a player that isn't a ball handler. Like, he gets that right. steal on James Ennis or in the past. He takes candy yeah. from the baby. Right, he takes candy from the baby, which, you know, no no shot at Kawhi. You know, that's what you should do. You don't have oh, to. Well, he had six steals. Right, man, that's yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't have to go guard LeBron and steal it from LeBron every time to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, you can steal it from anybody and get the stats. All right. But, you know, that is something that I think, you know, we have to be careful because we do have several guys in our rotation right now, especially on the wing with, with injury, that aren't ball handlers, that aren't creators, that aren't, confident even at this stage in their career being in the NBA in you know being in that ISO situation or being in that creation situation so I think you have to be careful with that you, you want to either get them in an easy or get them an easy outlet pass you know it's, it's something in soccer too it's whenever you know I remember in high school you know whenever a, a player that was that was uh, unsure with the ball uh, received possession you know you're trying to give him multiple options so that he doesn't have to do something out of his uh, out of his comfort zone you know, you don't want him to try to do something one-on-one because it's not going to go well. So, you know, that's what you kind of want to do with, with guys like Ennis and, and Daniels and Selden and, 
uh, is you want to give them easy options or easy outlets or s just set them up, you know, where they're not, they don't have the ball in their hand for, for very long. So, Right. And there was multiple instances in the fourth quarter when we were like, you know what, we've let this game get out of control. And there was another in overtime when Spurs were up 102-100, yeah. uh, you know, and then uh, Tony Parker picked another Conley pass off and pushed the ball up the court. And I think it was Patty Mills that went up for the layup. But the one and only Andrew oh. Harrison, he didn't quit on the play. This is probably my favorite play of the game. I'm sure a lot of people's yeah. favorite play of the game, other than the game winners, of course. Um, he had the chase down block. We've seen him do this once before on Chris Paul this year, I believe, in the Gasol uh, Conor McGregor walk off game. Mm -hmm. um, but we saw the Harrison chase down block. Uh, Ennis picked it up, kicked it out to Conley, who got it to Gasol. David Lee went for the cheap block, you know, charge attempt. And Gasol hit the A1. And right there, instead of a four point game, we're up one uh, with a minute and a half left. And it, I mean, this game was like a roller coaster. It was just constantly up and down, up and down. And that was just another example of it. Yeah, that was. Uh... <laughs> that was a, a really game-changing moment, and that's something that, um, and you know, I've I've been uh, on this podcast multiple times talking about my unrest with with Andrew and kind of the the personnel of the decisions of our front office and coaching staff, and you know, I was I was happy to see that he made some great, he made a couple shots as well. He had an and one, he had free throws down the stretch that were you know. Oh yeah, the rip from Lamarcus and the oh, and one layup was great that as was, well. That was, that was I think that was second quarter. Right, he. I mean, that's he took the ball. He went from point A, like he went coast to coast with that. Like he, he saw an opening. He saw a good, you know, offensive defensive matchup, and he took advantage of it, and you know, made the euro step. A really athletic move, actually. Even though it felt like it was in slow motion yeah. every time he does something like that. But you know, I, I'm still on the fence about him uh, as far as going forward. But I do like the. Um, at least, at least the ability to shrug off mistakes in the playoffs, which to, you know, if you're not, if I'm not going to say anything else about him, it's the fact that he is able to look past that. And whether that's, you know, that, you know, confidence in his own ability that he has, you know, that that's going to help him not get down in the dumps and, and really on himself. I know Fisdale is a big supporter of him, so he does well about not making him feel singled out, but that is a good quality is, is he's able to look past that because he's going to have airballed threes or he's going to have, blocked attempts or you know Kawhi's going to suffocate him and he's going to have to come back and be like you know Conley's resting I've got to start the offense I can't shrug my shoulders and act like right. you know, no one no one wants me out here the and credit to him he's gotten better the biggest yeah. thing with Andrew Harrison in game four was he played 20 minutes and had zero turnovers right that, wow. that is all I ask of him you know hit a, a wide open three every once in a while you know hustle play good play defense, defense. But do not turn the ball over, and he didn't, and it was yeah. great. Yep, yep, it was awesome. Um, so that and one led to a Conley floater that put us up three, and um, I think that everyone in the building knew that Kawhi was going to hit oh a three to tie it. I mean, I don't, I don't think there was a person in the building that didn't think he was going to get that bucket. And of course, he was wide open. Um, as many people have pointed out, Lamarcus held Andrew on the rotation for the closeout, and I don't think him closing out would have changed the. Yeah. the outcome of the shot, but, I mean, it's still there. It's no different than James Harden pushing off on Abrinas at the end of the game yesterday. They just don't call that stuff at the end of games as much as it is, as much as it sucks. Um, but then, I mean, 
what I mean, Fizdale told him, you know, Mark, take us home. And uh, Mark and Mike got a good kick out of it, joking around about how it was a handoff option. But, you know, <laughs> LaMarcus contested it well, but but Mark put it in and uh, got us the dub. Yeah, it was uh, – and uh, that off-the-ball stuff, you know, when, when it's dealing with a superstar, you're never going to see it called. It's unfortunate for teams like Memphis. But we've we've had that conversation, like Fizdale said. He said his piece about the refs, and now it's on, you know, on the – Memphis or on the Grizzlies to to uh you know put it up you know put up with it and 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 persevere but that was that was funny to see them talk about being you know a handoff option and you could kind of see that that was had the design of the play was the thing that we run a you know we've run a million times this year the Pastica Pastica saw then handed off right. finally you could see like in the slow motion video that the Grizzlies mm-hmm. tweeted that Mark was not gassing. Mark was not handing it off. No. His eyes went straight to the left. He knew that Aldridge was on him, that he could drive on him. He knew he could. Yeah, he went for the quick turn. Like, you know, LaMarcus was probably expecting the handoff. He went for the quick turn, and um, and I'm just glad it worked. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of times guys like that can feel where, the you know, the defender's weight is right. on him and on his back. They're so familiar with it that if he feels like he's leaning one way, he's going to go uh, against the grain and, you know, it was good to see him do that. I mean, because that right there, you know, Conley was having his game. You know, he may very well have gotten the jump shot to go if he would have gotten the handoff. But, you know, Mark, who didn't have a stellar game, but a consistent no. box score game, you know, consistent in the box score, he, that was a, a shot that was, gives him confidence going into game five as well. So good to see him, you know, to spread the love. Everybody gets a game winner. For sure. Today, so. <laughs> but I mean, I would assume that Fizz assumed that, Kawhi was going to be on Conley. Yeah. So, you know, it was nice to have the dribble handoff because they they trusted trusted Mark, who's another one of our leaders, to to make the decision. If he felt like he could take him, then you know you do it. And mm-hmm. if if you told him that we'd have a shot to win it in overtime, then he's going to take it ten times out of ten. And thankfully, it worked out for us. One thing I wanted to point out about Kawhi, you know, I don't want us to disrespect him at all. No. But. Uh, I'm sure you guys might have seen this. Chris Harrington retweeted, Kawhi's got the highest PER and win shares for 48 minutes uh, for any single player in playoffs history. It's played greater than 100 minutes, uh, according to basketball reference. So that's, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Uh, Chris, I, I'm, I'm sure I can speak for you on this. I think it, what he did was probably the most impressive performance we saw in a year, even, uh, even more impressive than Russ's, Russ's 50 point, whatever he did against us when he carried them to a victory. I think that, what Kawhi did on both sides of the ball, uh, including the magnitude of the game, was was probably the best performance, maybe that I've ever witnessed in my life. I don't know about in your life, but that's that's probably the best basketball performance that I've ever the seen. The way that he single-handedly almost beat us and and led them to that victory was unbelievable. Like, was one of the most remarkable things to watch. Yeah, Jacob said it. I mean, or was that you that said it? I mean, they didn't get anything from their other players except for TP. Yeah. No. Um, it was it was unreal. every shot that he shot. I thought I knew thought I was going in. I even thought the one at the end of the fourth quarter. You know they had oh, like four seconds ball. left. They had he, yeah with Ennis on. Still, I was like, that's going in. It, I knew I thought we left too much time because I knew that he was so hot, but ended up working in our yeah. favor. So he he got to his spot and it was really a surprise. You know, I was so thankful that he missed, but he got to his spot. I mean, yeah, that was the ball. shot he wanted. And, you know, that that was what I think it was. Uh, HP and Matt Moore on Twitter was. Was tweeting. Everybody was saying how Kawhi had this amazing fourth quarter for the ages, one of the most efficient fourth quarters of all time. And oh yeah, kept, that's what people are going to talk he about. Kept quoting everybody's tweet saying, except for they had air ball. 
except for that yeah. air ball. Yeah. It was like, don't forget that he did have an air ball, yeah. but, but, uh, you know, some, some fun in there, but it was a, it was a good closeout. Um, I know that the atmosphere was amazing, you know, you know, it was the, the party in the streets afterwards, uh, at, on, on Oh yeah, it was wild in the plaza and on Beale yeah. street after the game. Yeah, that was, that was something I wish I could have, uh, could have been there for, been there for a few of those, but, uh, this one would have been pretty special too, but I kind of want to, uh, transition us uh to getting a you know something individually from each one of us that we're looking for in in game five uh and i'm gonna be a you know a real uh real unfair player here and i'm gonna go ahead and steal one that i think you know somebody else might talk about <laughs> but uh something that i'm looking at is uh is a james ennis's play which he really played some great defense on Kawhi, especially at the end of the game you know he had his free throws uh he had a you know few rebounds not really much else in the box score he was actually a negative uh, four for the game. You know, that's not really what he's out there for, though. He, he struggled from the field. Two of ten. He He's ve- he's looked very – he's not a great three-point shooter. He has had spurts this year where he's been semi-consistent. But in the playoffs, he's looked like a, a very apprehensive, if not scared, three-point shooter. And I'm not looking for him to go four out of five or anything like that. But I really think he needs to – I want him to take that shot with a little more confidence. Whether or not he goes 0 for 5 or not, I still think it's important for him to shoot it. If he goes 0 for 5 yeah. from 3, I'm I'm okay with – I'm much more okay with him going 0 for 5 than 0 for 1 or 0 for 0. Yeah. Like, I want him taking that shot because you're still going to – the defender that's on him, if he's if he knows he's going to – he's free with that shot, he knows he's got the green light, then you're going to have somebody you know, keeping an extra step towards him, and that's going to help us – throughout the game when we don't have uh, Troy out there and we don't have Vince out there. So I'm, I'm looking for that in, in game five. Yeah, I think that for me, you know, when the Grizzlies have been successful this year, well, David Fizdale's really changed how we've played. You know, I mean, we, we've we've shot a lot lot more threes this year. And, and when we've been successful, when we've played well this year, we've made 8, 10, 12, 13, 14 threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking back at the team stats, we were 12 of 27 44.4%. I mean, I think that's absolutely crucial. So um, I look for us to try to, you know, spread the floor. Um, Zach and Mark didn't have great games last time. So hopefully we can get those guys going early um, to maybe, you know, get our shooters out there. And if, as long as they're shooting the ball well, you know, I think we have a great shot. But you hit, you touched on it with Ennis. The thing that I'm really going to go towards as well is just role play. Um, mm-hmm. We I think we're going to get our contributions from – from Mark and Mike and Zach, I mean, I don't, I don't have any doubt about that um, at this point, especially in the playoffs. Um, they're going to give maximum effort, but we'll see if Troy can find space. He couldn't, you know, games one and two. Um, I really feel he will. You, you touched on Ennis, like you said, just important. He keeps shooting it. Um, I mean, it's, an, it's. An, I think it's important for for Wayne Seldon to even if he's got a corner three and he's wide open. I think that's important as well. So I think for me, I, it's going to be role play, and if we can hit our threes. Yeah, and for me, I'll go to the Spurs side of the ball here. Um, okay. ball. <laughs> what are we going to get out of the other guys? You know, you right. know Kawhi is going to do his thing, but what about Danny Green, who has struggled this series? You know, David Lee, Pau Gasol, Patty Mills. Manu's been Man, terrible. Manu's been terrible. Is Deadman going to come back and play? Uh, and uh, Anderson, you know, what are we going to get from those guys? Because um, if the Grizzlies can shut those guys down, you know, let Kawhi do his thing, I have a, I have a feeling that they're gonna have a good chance. But if the Spurs use that home crowd, get their bench guys going, get that energy up, you know, it's gonna be tough for the Grizzlies. 
Yeah, I, I certainly agree. Um, Manu going 0 for 15. I mean, surely that's going to stop soon, right? It's got to. It has to. It has to. I, I know uh, was uh, Rob Fisher was talking today on Chris Vernon's uh, podcast, hometown podcast that he's like, he said, I'm not going to make a com- I'm not commenting on Ginobili's game. He's like, because I know as soon as I do, he's going to destroy us. Yeah, he's, right. like, he's going for 18 next like, game in like 15 minutes. You always have a regression to the mean or the, the what's he saying? You always like, you're never going to just, somebody's not, I just don't see a scenario where he goes, you know, over twenty, or he just completely. He's 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 possibly a Hall of Fame player, one of the, maybe the second best international player, or maybe third to Tony. You know, depending on that, one of the best international players ever in the NBA. And you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna go over. I, I know he's not, and you know, he's gonna have one of those and ones where it's a where it's a flop, but it gets everybody into the game on his side. So. Um, I look for that to happen. We've got to make sure that that's not the game changer. We've got to make sure right. that him having, you know, going off for 10 to 15 or 10 to 12 points is not what beats us. 100%. Yep. Yep. So, uh, well, guys, uh, I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably come back uh, a little this week um, with a with a more of a, a midweek update. Uh, I know the Grizzlies play uh, t- tomorrow night, which is Tuesday, or they play Tuesday night. Not sure what time the game is. Uh, 8, 8 p.m. Central. 8 Central. Okay, great. So, you know, 3 in the afternoon out here. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. But uh, I love the time zone, uh, not going to lie. But, but yeah, we'll come back with a little midweek update, maybe recap a Grizz game or maybe do like a, a pre-weekend type of a uh, well, quick up, quick update from yeah. tonight. Hawks made the series two two. Yeah. Uh, Raptors took a three two lead, and the Warriors are dismantling the Blazers and are going to mm-hmm. sweep. So, I feel like every series is like two two. Yeah. Or like except three, for the one eight. Right. Yeah. Except for the well, the yeah, the Cleveland, the Cleveland. Well, series. yeah. I mean, basically, Cleveland. I'm, basically, yeah, basically the one eight. Basically the one eight. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's good for me. You know, you're gonna have a bunch of seven game series. Uh, interesting stuff. Great, uh, great TV. Great midweek TV, which is what I'm all about. I like to stay for sure. Basketball, but good deal. But yeah, guys, I appreciate y'all uh, jumping on. Uh, you know, guys at home, make sure to share this. Uh, also, check out their quality for the spot podcast uh, it's coming in this week um, we'll have everything hosted on the same site here soon uh, with a lot more uh you know uh, a lot more i guess unison with everything so if you have name ideas feel free to tweet them at us show. Tweet them at us. yeah slide in the dms uh you know, we won't make you sign an nda but um but yeah so uh so check us out this week we'll come back with some more stuff but uh thank y'all for joining noisy buckets noisy buckets see ya